You're listening to The Real Well Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. Some people get stuck in analysis paralysis, meaning that no matter how much they study or how much due diligence they do, they just can't take the plunge, while others just jump right in. Our guest today could not wait to get started in real estate, so he made his first acquisition while still in high school. I'm Kathy Fetke, and welcome to The Real Well Show. But before we get started, I just want to let you know that I'll be giving my 2022 housing forecast this Thursday live at Real Wealth Network. You can join that by going to realwealthshow.com, click on the join button, and you'll get access to this upcoming webinar and of course all the past ones. I'll be co-hosting that webinar with Logan Motoshami of Housing Wire. And if you got the chance to hear him when I interviewed him here on The Real Wealth Show, you will not want to miss this webinar. So again, go sign up at realwealthshow.com. Kyle Knott wasted no time. He attended what he calls the Windshield University to educate himself about real estate. And by that, he means the time he spent driving from one construction job site to the next, listening to podcasts and learning from other investors. And here he is now educating others on my podcast. He shares the ups and downs of his journey in this interview, which is both inspirational and educational. So Kyle, welcome. It's Hi there. Thanks for having me. It's so nice to um, almost feel like we're talking in person, you know, <laughs> right? Gotta love Zoom. Gotta love Zoom. That's right. Uh, all right. So you have a full story. I think you have a lot that you can share with our audience about the the highs and the lows of real estate and the lessons learned and how in the end it does seem to work out if you stick with it. So let's start with who you are. Um, what What's your career? Besides real so estate. my career, I've been in the construction field, um, heavy highway bridge construction, I'm currently working on a uh, data center for uh, one of the big tech companies. So um, my, my full time job is, has been construction for a while, but always wanted to supplement that with, uh, you know, having buying some properties and have someone else pay them off while making a little cash flow on top of that is always just spoken to me. So that's kind of what drew me to the, the real estate investing. Oh, that's great. All right. So first of all, it sounds like you could be an inside, an insider for us at Real Wealth to tell us where the new freeways are coming in, because that's usually good for real estate on the other side of that freeway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. Uh, on, I, I don't have a, a whole lot of information on that. We're, we do a lot of uh, rehab to, you know, existing freeways that are, that are already there every once in a while. We'll get a big one coming through, but after that, the word's already out, so okay. I don't really have any proprietary information to that. Well, if you do, you know who to call. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> All right, so you're doing, you know, you're doing construction. Uh, boy, is that uh, our construction workers in demand today? I hope you're getting paid a lot for it. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so what uh, had you, you were thinking about real estate. Um, how did you choose which asset class in real estate when you started? Um, actually, I was in high school when the, everything kind of first came to me, like, you know, this, this really makes sense. I, I knew some people that were a couple years older than me that had already graduated. Um, one bought a, a duplex, was living in the bottom, running the top out and had zero housing costs. I was like, wow, that, that really makes sense. Um, so that's kind of how I started thinking about it. Um, got into uh, my my first my first one was uh, I owned a house. I moved out west, um, rented my own house out, and learned a lot of lessons by 
doing it that way. Um, I was a couple. Tell me more. Yeah. What What'd you learn? <laughs> um, I learned you really have to pay attention to this asset. Um, I kind of left it to my dad to have him manage everything for me. Um, when I came back, and not that he did anything wrong, but when I they finally moved out, um, I went through and saw that the trash was piled up everywhere, and there was mold all over all of the windows and the bathroom and everything else. So had to. You, know, you, uh, you bring up such a great point. You know, so often we think that. Uh, we should lean on family for business decisions. And um, maybe that's not the best choice unless your family is really, really good at property management, right? Um, what would you have done differently uh, with what you know today? With what I know now, I would have just called a, a property manager and and had them vet the tenant and, you know, go through everything. Uh, yes, you you pay a little bit for it, but it is so much easier. Life is so much easier to let them they're, they're the professionals. They know what they're doing and, and let them let them do their job. <laughs> let them do their thing. This this actually happened in my own family recently with um, some of our relatives who, who bought a property near a family member and asked the family member to, to handle everything. Um, and of course, the family member was wanted to be nice. Um, and it ended up being a lot of work for them. And they didn't know how to screen people and they didn't know how to do repairs. And it is same thing. It just didn't go well. Um, and that can really be hard on the relationship, right? It's like, why did, you know, what were they trying to just save the 8% of rent, you know? Um, you know, like what, why, why do that? Why not just go to the professionals? It's a big lesson. Oh yeah. And I, nothing, I mean, my dad did everything right. I just, it was when they left, I realized how bad of shape it was in. Um, and we, we, we always got along great. No, no hard feelings anywhere oh, in between, but we didn't, neither one of us even knew. So yeah, knowing now that it would have been much more seamless had I had I gone that route. So perfect. Okay. So then what? So that was your primary or just it that, was a primary that was that... my first house that I bought um primary residence. Then I I left, moved out west, uh came back. I'm I'm from the northern Illinois area about about two hours west of Chicago. Um so came back and um it, it turns out that we uh I met who was my now my wife. Uh we were living together, looking, she was pregnant with, with our first, and we're looking for something a little bit larger during, we're, we're looking for our own home. Um, that's about the time this all happened. So we kind of put the brakes on that, um, but it worked out to our advantage that we completely gutted that house, added the second story, and we ended up moving into it. Oh, wow. Okay. It <laughs> oh, so it worked out. Wonderful. Yep. Okay. Oh, great. And then, uh, so, you know, lessons learned of owning property uh, remotely, right? Um, there's there's lots of lessons there. It seems so easy. <laughs> what do I need a property manager for? But yeah, there's more to it. Uh, so then what made you decide after that not so positive experience to do it again? So after, after that, um, I, I always kind of had the the itch and I don't know that I really realized that I was real estate investing at that point. I, I knew I owned a home. Um, the company I was working for kind of shipped me out west. And then I ended up, I left and, and worked, went to work for a different company um, out in the, the Lake Tahoe area. So at, at that point, they were making the payments every month on the first. So I was like, all right, well, this is just rolling right along. So um <laughs> After we got through all that, I, I saw some fourplexes in a, a neighboring city came came up. Um, it just really grabbed my eye. There was a whole cul-de-sac owned by one investor. Um, 
I think there was about 10 proper 10 fourplexes on this cul-de-sac. He owned all but two of them. And uh, the whole, everything was for sale. I went to my banker and was like, what do I do to buy all these? Yeah. And kind of walked me through the, what needed to happen. And then the, the down payment part, part of the equation came up. So I realized I couldn't, I couldn't take them all down, but uh, kind of came up and, and bought, uh, bought four of them. So he, it was, it was every, everything I had could scrape by um, cashing in on some Roth 401ks where I could, you know, pull my, um, my contributions out and everything I had to, to get started with those four fourplexes. And then I was, that was in was Illinois. Races. I'm sorry. In Illinois. In, in Illinois. Yes. In Rockford, Illinois area. Yep. Okay. So then, um, so then in congratulations on um, making that happen and talking to a, a lender is so important. That's like the, the first step everyone should do is just go talk to a lender, find out what you can qualify for. And if you can't qualify what you need to do to get there. And if you need more down payment, you know, talk to, talk to people who might want to lend that to you to, to get you going. Um, so now you, you were able to close on, what'd you say? Four, 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 plexes? four, I got four, four plexes. Yeah. So my, my real first introduction, if you will, to, to real estate investing was, I, I was all in with, with 16 units <laughs> and plus yeah. we, we then had my wife's house that, that we rented out to. So at that point, I think we had 17 all together. And, and that was when, uh, my, my true education began. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So what did you learn uh, with that acquisition? Uh, so, so with that one, um, I knew that it was in a, it was about an hour away from where I lived, mm -hmm. um, that, property management, I, I wasn't even going to try to do it. So mm -hmm. I got on, I Googled and the first property manager came up. All right, let's do this. And uh, we're off to the races. And I thought everything was fine. Um, <laughs> pretty quick that all, all property managers are not created equal. Indeed. And was this, how long ago was this? Uh, t November of 2014 is, is okay. when, so it's not that long. Ago. Up. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So what, uh, when you say they're, they're not all the same, you know, what, what was different about this one? What was not working? So my, my first experience, they, they had, um, they, they collected 10% of the rents and, but they also collected uh 10% on all of their, uh, maintenance and, okay. you know, so which is nice if they got in, in-house maintenance people, if, if done right, can save you some money. Sure. Um, but I, every month on my, my reports, I would get, it's just charge after charge, after charge, mm -hmm. after charge. And I'm going through and well, what, what is this stuff? Yeah. And it, it should have been making a lot of money. <laughs> Instead, I was paying a lot in, in maintenance. I'm like, okay, well, a month or two into it, I knew there was some deferred maintenance. Um, it just kept going and going. And it, it came to the point where every month I would have to go through my statements with a, a microscope. And then I would always email back with 10 or 11 questions about what are these charges. And every time they would come back, well, we're sorry, those were mistakes. We shouldn't have charged you for that. Oh my gosh, what? Yes. Oh, so, so huge lesson. Look at your statement and ask questions. Just a lot of people never even bother to look at it or they don't understand it. Um, did you have any trouble? I mean, it sounds like you did have trouble understanding it. So you called and asked for explanation and the explanation said it was wrong. That's crazy. Yes. Wow. Absolutely. When I, when I first looked at them, I, okay, I guess this is all legit. When, then when I started to question them, 
it, it was amazing how many mistakes there were, but none were ever in my favor. Mm. It was always the other right. way around. Good for you catching that. Yep. So then what, did you stick with them or? <laughs> I, I stuck with them for a little while, but nothing, nothing changed. And finally I, I said, this is enough. I'm, I, it almost bankrupted me. Oh. So, um, got, got out from them, um, got with, a a much better property manager. And it's, it's amazing. I know you guys bet all your property management. Um, and it's, so when I, when I do all this, that my first questions are to the property manager, I don't really care too much about the property. I want to know who the property managers are. And yeah. after been, you know, been through a bad situation like that, you really learn the questions to ask and, and get a good feel for the, for the property management team. Well, you know, we vetted property management companies that were good at first and then turned bad. So it is something that you you have to be stay on top of all the time because people change within a company, right? You might have had a really, really great property manager. That person leaves, a new one comes in, and they're not as good. So paying attention is vital. This is not a passive income investment. Syndications are, and we'll talk about that more later. But when you own property, even with property management, you do need to be actively involved, at least in reviewing what's happening, even if it's just once a month. You know, it's not a lot of time, but at, at least one or two hours a month to, to review what's actually happening. So what would you say are the questions that you would ask now, again, knowing what you know today? Just to get a good a good feeling for who will be managing your property. If, it, if it's a big property management company, that that's fine. There, there's nothing, I've got nothing against that, but I want to know whose cell phone do I call if I have any, I, I want to, a relationship with mm -hmm. a certain person or a couple of people. Yeah. Um, and once I know that, you know, you two are, are on my team or whoever it is, um, and it doesn't, I don't care if it's the, the secretary answering the phone. I want to, I want the same contact and I kind of want to, I, I kind of became a thorn in their side to, to a, a reasonable, you know, just a reasonable way of doing it. You, you have to know what you're, you're doing or they they know that I'm looking at every statement. They know that they're not going to be able to pull one over on me. Yeah. So at first I kind of I'm probably over the top. They're kind of like, oh geez, it's one of these guys. But you know, after a little while, now I hardly talk to anyone anymore. They and the statements all look good. If there's any ever any questions, I've got the email, I've got the, the cell phone I can text and I know who to talk to and I get it, I get an answer pretty quick. So whose throat to it, to choke is basically what we say in our business. There's always going to be someone who's bottom line for whatever the task is. Because um, otherwise, it's really easy to say, oh, I thought so-and-so was going to do it. Or, you know, so whose throat to choke? That, that's what you got to know. And that sounds pretty harsh. But, um, but that, so you want to know who you're dealing with and have their cell phone and be able to be in touch with them and have a relationship. Um, maybe send some Christmas presents and <laughs> things. Uh, that's right. Keep that relationship great. What other questions would you ask if you were vetting a new property management company? Just how how the maintenance is handled. Um, you know, I kind of I, I probably have about a half dozen property managers right now. Each one of them are a little bit different, um, and I, I kind of like it because you see what you like, what you don't. Um, and but I, I want to know how how is maintenance handled. Um, you know, some will charge a 10% upcharge on all of their maintenance where others are, no, I would never do that. That's part of my 10% rental fee. And that's how we get paid is, is taking care of your, of your property. Um, different areas of the country, you know, thing, things are a little different, but yeah, that, that was the biggest one that, that got me. Um, 
you know, what are your limits? A lot of times, you know, anything 200, $250 or, or below, they just go ahead and fix. Um, you know, if a tenant calls in the middle of the night with the toilet issues, you know, that everyone's always worried about, fix it. And, yeah. You know, but if it, if it's over a certain threshold, then yes, they've got to, they've got to get a hold of me. Um, I've got a pretty good relationship with everyone that I, I want to take care of all of our properties. Um, I want to provide a, a good housing to a good tenant. And, you know, if, if we expect tenants to pay on the first, they should expect us to take care of, of their place. So if they've got some issues, I want to get it taken care of quickly right away. And, mm-hmm. and promptly and, and things like that. So if it does come in over that $250 threshold, would you want to see um, several bids or uh, just kind of understand more what needs to be done? Yeah. So one, one, for instance, um, we had some some termite damage on one of my properties in Alabama. Um, for that one, it was a considerable, you know, dollar amount. So if it if it's two hundred and sixty dollars, just go fix it. I you know that doesn't matter. But if it's getting getting into the thousands, then yeah, let's look at multiple options and and see where we need to go to to get this rectified and mm-hmm. and do it do it right once and for all. Yeah, I mean that's what I like to do. Even on my own, is just get a few bids to make sure that the property managers really. Um, looking at all options because you know that's one of the services that Real Wealth gives is we're able to we've had so much experience our investment counselors have seen so many uh, issues come up that they they maybe have an idea of how it could be handled differently and maybe a little bit less expensively but at the same time sometimes stuff get, needs to get fixed I mean our Cleveland property we bought for I don't know forty five thousand dollars put about fifteen thousand into it and uh, it rented it stayed rented for five years it was the easiest most lucrative property and then all of a sudden it started to have I, I think you have the same story there was some issue with the plumbing from the house to the street uh, we had to redo that it ended up costing thousands of dollars uh, so all that great cash flow sort of was like oh well but at least the value doubled so it, it all worked out in the end but sometimes you do have the big big repair stuff and I think that has happened to you I think in your Alabama properties. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Correct. That one, uh, it was not too, too long after we bought it, that, uh, the, the drain, it was draining very slow after some exploration, there was roots going, growing through the, the drain from the house to the street. Um, the, the estimates I got were, I think around $3,000. Um, but that was the, the power of real wealth network. I, I called or emailed, uh, Ben and it's like, Hey, I think they probably knew about this as an issue before I bought it. You know, what do you think? And Ben was absolutely not. That we're going we're gonna to go back on the, the people we bought it from, and, and they took care of it. So that's um, one of my. I I put a, a big post out on on Bigger Pockets about my whole uh, experience with Real Wealth Network. It's kind of something that I wish I had when when I got into it. Um, so I, I put that out there. You know, the just my my whole experience with with how things went. And, um, Thank you. Totally totally recommend Real Wealth Network. I mean, you guys had my back and it was nice as I was getting into these investments that were a 10 hour drive away um, to know that I've got someone, someone's got my back. So it was a, it was a great, great way to, to start that out. Oh, that's, that's great. So um, how did you find us? Um, so in my travels, I was doing, you know, heavy highway construction. Well, they never really do that in your backyard. So it's always, I would drive anywhere from an hour to probably three or four a day. Um, when I wasn't on the phone, you know, directing everything I had to do through work, I always had a podcast going. Instead of just listening to the radio and kind of mindlessly driving, I always had a podcast. So 
um, anything real estate involved, I, I listened to it and stumbled across yours uh, multiple years back. And yeah, I've been, been listening ever since. Appreciate everything that, that you and the Real Wealth Network, amongst others, are, are putting out there for that, that uh, windshield university, I call it. Oh, I love that. I love that. Oh, that's great to know. You know, really using those uh, those travel hours as a university on wheels. That's what Rich always would call it. Yep. Um, oh, that's okay. That's wonderful to know. So yeah, you ended up buying a couple of properties in Alabama. Now, um, that was with a provider that we don't use anymore. And they were older homes. And, you know, older homes, even when rehabbed, can can have issues. So, well, I mean, any home can have an issue, right? But uh, obviously, if you're going to buy an older car, you're probably going to have more issues than if you buy a new car. Mm-hmm. Same with same with real estate. So I'm really happy to hear, you know, obviously a seller isn't on the hook forever, right? But in the beginning, anytime you buy a property, that seller is supposed to tell you everything they know, everything they know so that you can really make a wise decision. And when you end up closing on the property and something comes up that's like, hey, come on, they knew about this. They didn't tell me. Then they kind of are on the hook, right? So I'm, I'm so glad that, uh, that they stepped up and took care of that. Yeah, they, they totally did. Um, great job uh, with, with everything, you know, kind of standing behind their, their product and uh, brought it to their, their attention. And had I, had I just bought these on my own, from from a you know someone someone's own property, had they known about it or not, you know, without a legal proceeding and all those kinds of issues, you know, for a three thousand um, dollar fix, I, it probably wouldn't have been worth the legal fight to go to go back and battle that. I probably would have just been stuck with it myself. So yeah, very nice to to work with people like that that to stand by what they've got. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I mean, Rich and I bought a house. Uh, you know, in, in the Malibu area, uh, one that we could afford, and one that we could afford was practically falling down. Uh, but there were things that um, that needed fixing that we actually didn't know about. And there was always a question, you know, did the sellers know about it or not? We didn't take the time to sue either, but we certainly could have. Um, so it's just important to know that, you know, make sure if you're selling a house that you disclose everything. Uh, when we sold a condo, we I, I wrote two pages of things I knew about it that were wrong. We still sold it, but that way they could never come back and say I didn't tell them, right? Right. <laughs> and it's just the right thing to do too. If you're on yeah. that, if you're on that end of the deal, it, it makes you you sleep a little bit better at night. So, yeah, absolutely. All right. So I'm curious. Do you still have those fourplexes? And if so, how are they doing? They are doing great, actually. Um, still have them. They're performing. Awesome. And actually going through, uh, I bought those for 175,000 a piece, just had them recently appraised at um, 320 a piece. Nice. So I'm doing a little bit of a, a cash out refi to uh, get a little more dry powder and keep on, keep on going, keep on finding, find something else and keep the cash flow coming. That's amazing. And to get that kind of appreciation in a in a sort of non-appreciating area, typically, right? That area isn't hasn't been known for high appreciation. Not at all. It's been it's been pretty flat. Um, that's why I was just never never invested for appreciation. Always cash flow. Yeah. Um, if if I ever lost my job or something happened to me where I couldn't go to work, I always, you know, wanted some sort of a, a different stream of income. Um, that was my only my only thought was ever cash flow and. You know, now, now I know that there's there's like what five different ways to um, take care of, or uh, uh, capitalize off of uh, real estate investing, and uh, 
with that appreciation, it's just been it's been crazy in this this market. The, the rates are low. The way I see it, inflation is high. So I'm gonna cash out and keep on buying assets. <laughs> That's so great. You said there's five ways to make money. What what are those ways? So you've got your uh, your appreciation. You got the tenants paying down your 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 mortgage payment, basically. Um, you've got it's a hedge against inflation. Uh, you've got uh, all of the the phantom deductions. Um, you know, I I guess I call them phantom. You got all the deductions, the the tax deductions that everything is you know great for you right there. Yeah. Um, which one am I missing? It's four, right? I know there's another one. Rental income, uh, pay loan pay down, tax benefits, appreciation. And there is another one. I inflation, inflation. Maybe right. <laughs> yeah. I know there's five. <laughs> there's all kinds. Yeah, that's lots right. Of, lots of good reasons to invest. Uh, yeah. Okay, so uh, you're looking at doing a refi and buying more. Is that right? Yep. 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 So I'm gonna close on uh, close on those here in the upcoming, but before the end of the year, and yeah, looking to to redeploy. I've, I've got a couple of uh, private placements that I'm kind of involved with. Mm-hmm. Um, the bait stringer um, involved with that one with you guys. That yeah. one's uh, kind of coming around and and getting ready to, uh, to yeah. start paying back some preferred returns. So looking forward to that. And it always got gives all of our me money. gives me a lot of relief when you get your cash back, and now it's just the profit right. coming. <laughs> yeah, yep. Yep. I'm glad to hear that. That's been that was an interesting project to invest in Reno when it was just kind of an emerging market. We got the land for really cheap, and then. Uh, and then we had a horrible winter and we got delayed on the project. And then um, the Fed raised rates and things really slowed down for new home builders. And we were kind of on the high end. So that was a little bit of a scary time. And then all of a sudden COVID hit. We didn't know what was going to happen. And then bam, everybody wanted what we were selling. But it's been a journey. Um, I'm just happy to say that the way that we structured it, that the longer it took, the more issues we ran into, the investors make more money. They they get their preferred return. And unfortunately for me and the developer, we don't. Um, you know, it's kind of basically comes out of a profit, but it's going to be good for you. It's going to be real good for you. Not so good for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, it didn't work out as well for you. But uh, yeah, so far, great, great investment for me. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So you, you might do more syndications? Yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of, you know, a little bit of, uh, obviously, when you've got your own, you know, your own properties, it's a little more hands on. Um, even if you do have a property manager and, you know, try to try to be hands off the, the syndications are to me, truly passive, you know, kind of just mm-hmm. write a check and they start paying you back with uh, preferred returns. So yeah, it's a great, great way to diversify and another, another source of cash flow. So why do you think that um, the, the fourplexes that you bought, you bought them for cash flow, definitely an area that wasn't known for, uh, for appreciation at all, at all. No, nobody would have bought there with that in mind. What do you think happened that it suddenly became an appreciating area? You know, even when I bought those back in 2014, there really were no comps on fourplexes. So mm. people were kind of holding on to them and, and holding them for the, for the long haul. These kind of came up, I got them. Um, they, they appraised for, for what I got them at, um, which has kind of been my experience, but you know, there, there's just the way I, I think it is the, I don't know if it's the, uh, the, I, I think ever since 08 happened, the, the crash and everything, there's a, a the supply, I don't think is there. So mm-hmm. when the, when the supply is not there, the demand goes up, um, the, the building, just dried up, you know, I was in the heavy highway and all of the, the places we would get concrete from, 
were busy, you know, pouring basement foundations and for, for residential, I remember a couple of years where they didn't pour any basements. Um, so it just, it went from, from steady to, you know, crazy in 06, 07, and then 08, when everything, it just completely stopped. So um, I, the supply, I don't think the supply is there. And so now you've, you've got a demand coming on and um, people just, I, I think they don't want to own, they don't want to be locked down to something for, you know, 30 years. They, they like to rent. And I've had a couple of people that have been with me for probably four years but they will not sign a one-year lease because they want that freedom of the month to month <laughs> to pick up and go whenever they want. So they pay a little bit of a premium for it and like, okay. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, that's wild. All right. Well, any final tips for anyone else out there who's listening to the show and, and, and in the university on wheels? <laughs> yeah. University on wheels. If you, if you've got that time um, where you're by yourself, yeah use that to your advantage, whatever you're interested in. You know, I, I dug into real estate, um, but whatever investing or, you know, if you're into art or it, you, you can find a podcast for anything. So yeah, I definitely take advantage of that. And, um, you know, I, I was, it was a big leap when I finally decided to go in and do this. Uh, I, I talked to people all the time. Um, it was by far the best financial decision I've ever made was to get into this. And, and as we kind of talked about it, it wasn't all perfect from the get go, but you, you don't know what you don't know. And until you start, and I would say, jump in and start, you know, even if it's a, a small single family somewhere, you know, in one of the markets you guys have, you, you'll jump in, you'll, you'll get to know the game and, uh, and you can just, you can keep growing from there. Guys limit. That's right. Uh, great advice. Thank you so much. And, and I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, Rich reads, reads listens to dozens of books per year because he just always has one and anytime he's driving and even if it's just to the store he's listening to a book and he he it, it's hard to sit down and read a book these days right but you can listen to one and and same with with podcasts there's so much to learn learn from other people's experience so you don't have to learn uh the hard way like like some of us have all right oh kyle it's been really a pleasure to have you here on the real well show i'm sure you've inspired lots of our listeners I hope so. Thank you for having me, Kathy. I appreciate it. And thank you for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. I want to let you know that I'm giving my 2022 housing forecast this Thursday if you want to get my take on where real estate is headed this year. Considering we know rate hikes are on the way and prices are at new all-time highs. So just visit realwealthshow.com. You can join for free and then you'll get access to this upcoming webinar this Thursday, plus recordings of all the past ones. And please remember to hit that subscribe button and leave a review. There's been so many nice ones. I really appreciate it. I'm Kathy Fetke, wishing you a very happy new year. Views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to realwealthshow.com.